0: Hello everyone, it's David here, and I'm very excited to be joined today by a man who needs no introduction, but he's going to get one anyway. A man who's in the SFA Hall of Fame, who represented his country at three World Cups, something I don't think many of the current generation will ever get to experience who then as a player won every single domestic trophy in Scotland, but also the European Cup Winners' Cup and the European Super Cup. As a manager, he led Motherwell to their highest place finish of all time. Uh, He then went to Hibs and took them from Division 1 straight back into uh, into the Premier League before moving to Rangers, where he had a rather successful spell we're about to get into, including seven trophies including a treble, including two unbelievable last-day league wins, including a last-minute Scottish Cup final victory over Celtic, and taking Rangers to the last 16 of the Champions League, our highest-ever finish in that tournament. And that was before he then went to Scotland, taking Scotland within seconds of reaching a major tournament, the closest that they've been in decades, and topping it all off, if that wasn't enough, by taking Birmingham into the Premier League and winning them a trophy, the League Cup. Uh, There are other things to talk about, but obviously as a Rangers podcast, we are here today to discuss that in the main with the man himself, Mr Alex McLeish. Alex, thank you for joining us today.
1: Great, it's a pleasure guys, glad to be on.
0: Now, last night uh, as we record this, we watched uh, Rangers uh, take on Dunfermline in that 6-1 game, that memorable 2003 match. And uh, I must admit, Alex, you, uh, you you caused a lot of tension that day. Uh, I, I remember <laughs> sweating a great deal. What uh, in the stadium?
1: Yeah, well, it was just a phenomenal day uh, all round, and you know, the week up leading up to it, was um, keeping up a, a huge, hugely high tempo um, as, as quick as we could. Uh, getting the ball into good forward areas, getting balls in the box. The more we get in there, the more we felt we had great chances because we we went pretty hit' scare him in terms of the front guys. It was almost like four strikers up front, uh, and it was a four two almost four two four, or we we did keep keep a hold of Fernando a wee bit, so possibly four three three. But uh, the other three three guys were... Superb uh, in terms of um, front players in in a world stage. Canidia, yeah, De Boer, and Arvalazzi. Mm.
0: The uh, I was watching some of the finishing last night. It was brilliant, but we'll come to that. Let's go back right to to the start. Christmas two thousand and one. Um, Dick Advocat announces that he's moving upstairs, and within the week, you were introduced to the fans at Ibrook. Was it, I know that having spoken to Dick Advocate since then, he said that he'd been kind of keeping an eye on you for a while at this point and that he had said to David Murray, he's the guy. <laughs> had he let you know that or was it a very quick
1: process? It was a very quick uh, process. David, um, uh, you know, Murray was in full agreement with, with Dick or whether it was David's idea, I don't know. Maybe they, they threw it between each other. and Anyway, Dick... Um, you know, had said that he just couldn't get any more out of the players, and it, you know, was it was my turn now. And uh, you know, I thought, well, when David made that phone call to me and and said, he actually, his first, his words were, "I bet he didn't know, um, think you would get this call." You know, <laughs> and I said, "No, you're absolutely right." I thought my my. Um, Destiny might be to move down to Premier League in England. You know, I it was looking to, to be ambitious because it looked like Rangers were, um, you know, employing the top four managers, and I thought that that would be an ongoing process. But uh, when when I got the, the call, it was uh, an, an incredible uh, surprise and one that that made me and my family so proud.
2: Alex, that, that squad had been through the ringer a wee bit um, and morale was, was probably very low, I would imagine. So I assume when you came in, you were told that the, the amount of money that was spent in the kind of two years before that, we wouldn't be able to sustain that that same level. So was it more about man management of good players and, and making some tactical improvements that you thought would
1: help them out too and just kind of get them going again? Yeah, you not, you know, we... When when you look at the dressing room and when I arrived, we'd already invested in that that big squad. So to to go and splash money at it, and and when I already had uh, amazing players in that squad as it was when I when I t- arrived, then you know wasn't there wasn't really any need to splash out cash. And uh, the only acquisition we we did get was was Arteta. Um, who'd already been in the system I, I wasn't the one that scouted him although I did send Andy watching just as a final to see if we, we we could um, be convinced that Mikel could fit in uh, the, the way we played and uh, you know he played an un, n- not an unfamiliar role but it, he, because he was just still a young lad learning his, his trade and he had such good feet he was quick quick enough and we felt that he would be more suited to an attacking role rather than a holding midfielder, which he famously you know became in his um, English years in Everton, in Arsenal. And so, yeah, that was the only acquisition, and um, I, I didn't feel the necessity to to go and get new faces because you know when I looked around that dressing room, I was looking at people players who had played in a World Cup semi final. Mm-hmm. For Holland and um, other great players from different nations, and uh, including our our very own Barry Ferguson, who uh, was was a fantastic player on that final day. Not only that final day, but as you know, his career with Rangers was pretty glorious.
0: Alex, one thing that uh, looking back that I find very interesting, especially with this kind of modern manager thing, about they all seem to have a philosophy and they seem to have a style of play and they never, ever deviate from it. At Hibs, you'd had a, a very successful time there playing a kind of 3-5-2 with, I remember, two wing-backs. I think Lawson was one and uh, uh, De La Cruz on the other side. Um, but you came to Rangers and, and you didn't come in and say, this is how I play. You sort of looked at the squad and went, right, What what can I do to get the best out of this? Is this something that, that you feel is maybe getting lost a wee bit by modern standards, where everybody seems to have one way of playing and that's it.
1: Yeah, well, well I mean, I have seen a few, a few teams mixing it up a wee bit. You know, um, some teams have played the three Man United. I know they they they're not the Man United that, that um, they were when Sir Alex was in charge, but they, you know, they seem to be coming back a wee bit, but in uh, saying that, you know, they've tried 4 4 two, 4, three, three, four uh, 3 at the back as well, and a lot of, a lot of people kind of um, playing it now and again when they, they think that, you know, you know the tactics call for it, so I, was, I think it is um, good to be flexible in terms of uh, changing it around a wee bit, but, but I, I you know, we, when I was at Hubs, um, Frank so they came uh, I'm a brilliant French internationalist, and played with Marseille, won the European Cup, and um, Frank Frank was playing midfield, and I felt that we were four four two, and I, I felt that it wasn't quite um, it didn't quite have the legs, you know, in mm. that particular time of his career, and it was then. That we, we come up with the idea of playing three at the back and played Frank in the middle of the three because he just controlled the whole team and, and he's, he's, he's he's a possession of the ball and he's long passing. You know, he could put a 50 yarder on a, um, I was going to say a sixpence, but I don't <laughs> think the listeners will know what a sixpence is, uh, on a 50 pence piece, you know, and. Um, he, he he just a genius and and a wonderful wonderful footballer and it just transformed our whole team at turning the three five two as you say with uh, De La Cruz on the right we had the other players playing in that position before Dela Cruz um, Lovell played there but also Ulrich Larson on the other side was was an absolute machine so yeah it was but uh, anyway back to Rangers and when I came in. Um, you, you know, I looked around the desk and I thought, "Wow, well, um, how can I not get something out of these players? Let them express themselves, and uh, let's play the game a wee bit faster, rather than trying to walk it into the net and see if we can get the ball forward quicker." You know, passing on the deck because they were all of that quality, and and if the long ball was was effective enough, then. You know, it's a long, it's a long pass. We didn't call it a long ball, and uh, you know, you know. So there was a a lot of a couple of tactical tweaks. We we then also decided that when Celtic were playing free in the back, we decided to go with three up against them. And I thought, well, <laughs> i have got to take a, a few risks here. And we we worked very hard with the back four to. Uh, compensate for that, you, you know, and get across the pitch very quickly. Forget about the, the wing back away up on the other side. We can always get back out there, and it worked to a treat in, in those um, first few Celtic games that we played. I guess that, like you said, that that Celtic team um, were pretty three-five-two.
2: They were so dominant, but but physically dominant as well. Our squad was was full of small technical players really um, it was obvious that we couldn't match them physically so I guess you need to come
1: up with a, another way of uh, solving the problem Yeah well, well that was very evident in the, the cup final you know of 2002 when Peter scored the winner and we we, we lost two goals set pieces and the, and that was a, a wee weakness for us against Celtic and you know so the, the, the war try was quite Simply listen if they score two we've got to score three, if they <laughs> score one, we have to score two. you know it's it, it, it was that philosophy, and we did have the ammunition within the team to do that as was proved on on that uh, particular era in that era
0: Alex, one thing about this this I, I wanted to to take you back to the league cup semi-final that year because a lot of Rangers fans, myself included, we really felt that was a turning point and looking back because Celtic had been gubbing us really for about two years by this stage and mm-hmm. there was a game at Ibrox in September of that season when Advocat was in charge where they beat us 2 now and they didn't break sweat and you just looked at the Rangers team and thought they don't they don't believe, they don't think they can beat them. Um yeah. And then we went into that semi-final at Hamden, very much the underdogs, and Rangers were fitter, we outlasted them, we were stronger, and again in the cup final, which was on the TV last week and, and watched the full 90 minutes, the last half an hour, Rangers are getting stronger and stronger and stronger and Celtic are tiring. Did you feel that you had the edge on them in terms of fitness? Was it something that you worked on especially?
1: No, not not such. I, I mean, obviously, Dick Advocat was have his own um, style of coaching and training and uh, methods and drills and exercises. We um, we we just you know worked on sharpness. Really, it was more it was more sharpness that time of the season, especially going in at that time. You, I couldn't put the players through uh, like a, a, a grilling kind of mid-season uh, workouts. Um, certainly back in the day in my Aberdeen days Alec Ferguson used to take us for a you know, warm weather training and between games you know if we played say St Mirren on the Saturday we'd leave and, and fly out to Marbella or, or um, Mallorca the next day and, and train for a few days and you know we, we'd obviously get a wee bit of relaxation as well and boss would give you a night out and then it was a, a night supervised with staff we always knew when we come back we were uh, we were going to get the headlines if we didn't win, and it would be away in a jolly. But we we tended to come back and and have a and, and win those games. But but we didn't go away and, and do up a pair well, pre-season. It, 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 Sir Alex would call it a pop-up, you know, a, a top-up. But so this stage when I went in up in December, it, it was more about getting the sharpness back for the guys, and also, like let's face it, confidence. Confidence is everything in football, uh, and yeah, and you just you see you see some teams you think they're not going to be beaten for five years. You see Man City uh, playing Liverpool a couple of years ago. You say that they Liverpool never beat them. They're so good, and then City go through a wee rot, and and then Liverpool in, improved incredibly well, and and you know they've been a huge force this season. You know, obviously the the COVID nineteen. Uh, craziness has has brought everything to a halt. But yeah, it was more getting getting confidence back in the players. You know, I the, f- the first uh, training session, you, you know, we were running round the pitch. Um, in those days, I was able to join in with the boys and um, I, you know, running round, talking to one or two, just just getting to know some of them and then trying to make them relax and you know. Equally, um, give them the stature that they 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 deserve, and the platform. And so I'll give you an example. I was jogging with Ronald. It kind of the the middle of the 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 uh, um, squad, and I started to talk to him about some of the games I'd seen when he played with Ajax. You know, and and um, it, it, Ronald never really commented at, at the time, but. You know, a few months later, somebody had said to me, uh, "Ronald was astonished about how much he knew about his career." You know, and um, the games, individual games. You know, I I think I quoted a uh, a game where they played in the semi final of European Cup against Panathinaikos. They lost in Amsterdam one 0 but they battered them over in in uh, Athens, where a magnificent um performance of total football where. You know, Van Der Star, who was who was the forerunner of the goalkeepers who played the ball out to the back. And, you know, to see him standing like 10 yards outside his right-hand post or his left-hand post to receive a by you know. <laughs> back in the day when we were playing, your gaffers would have went apoplectic, you know. What's he doing away out there, you know, and stay in the middle of your goals. and uh, But those were the days of passbacks and you could pick the ball up. But um, that that was that was just getting into some heads. Amaruso had fallen out with Dick a wee bit, and Dick was not playing. Now, and my mission was to get him fit. He was injured at the time and back into that team to be a driving force, which um, he, he, he certainly was through my tenure.
2: must. You mentioned there getting the players fitter and obviously some tactical tweaks, etc. But then you've kind of mentioned as well. It obviously goes beyond that as well. And is it just a case of trying to deal with people one-on-one and find, finding out what makes them tick, what could get them a little bit better um, attuned and a bit more ready to go. I think we kind of seen it with when Stephen Gerrard came in um, two years ago. We were beaten before we went on the park sometimes and he's changed it all around with more quality players and a clear tactical idea, but you can see kind of mentality and belief coming to the fore as well. Is that something that you think is, is becoming more important now? Yeah.
1: <clears throat> Excuse me. That was a big... Um... Well, I am a big advocate of, uh, of advocate, advocate, <laughs> advocate of, of advocate of um, one-to-ones, and and I did uh, do a lot with the players individually. You know, to to try and empower them and to get them to believe in themselves. Look, what you've already done. You've already showed me that evidence that you can do that. And we, you know, with the we, we video guys. Getting the analysis out and showing them, you know, just what these guys had achieved in the past before they had this bad, bad wee run um, under Celtic's powerful new team, um, and also a lot of, you know, great technical players in the Celtic team as well. So, um, yeah, the the to ones was something that, that I felt was really important, and I did I did it at almost every club that I was at. We spoke
0: to Lorenzo Amoruso on the site and he did an interview with us and something that, that came out very strongly was when we asked about, obviously, what had gone on under Advocate and then when you came in and he said, the difference was Alex treated you like a man and he said that the players collectively would, wouldn't would even need at times, um, like a team talk. He said, you know, you mentioned there about letting the players uh, go away for uh, for a, a short trip and then you coming back, thinking, right, we need to get the victory. Uh, he told us about a time, I think it was a Boxing Day fixture, and you told them on Christmas Eve, look, I'll give you Christmas Day off, but you've got to win, basically. If you don't, then yeah. I can't do this again. And Amo said to us that, see the dressing room that day, you would have thought it was a Champions League final. The boys were, you know, they, we would have ran through a wall, we went out and won 4-0. He said it could have been 8 or 9. Was that a conscious thing at first? Do you, can you do that until they maybe don't do it for you and then you have to be a bit more draconian? Or was it, as I say, a conscious thing to say, no, I'm going to treat them more like adults and see if they respond to that?
1: Yeah, well, that was really the the whole key in, in those decisions. And by and large, in all my managerial jobs, I I um, had that kind of ruling and, you know, I say, look, you, you know, I don't want to bring in Christmas Day and, you, you know, be great if, if if you can enjoy it with your families. But you have to play the game professionally in terms of, uh, you know, watching and intake of alcohol. Shouldn't be any really 24 hours before a game. But you, you can imagine one or two, you know, serving <laughs> a glass of wine with, with a Christmas dinner and their family. So, but needless to say, the... They were so professional. And the uh, the the next day and it and it was a wee bit of a war cry I, I would imagine in the dressing room 'cause we used we used to do it ourselves. I said when we come back from that summer break, we used to be on the playing on the Friday saying, Look, we've got a couple of nights out this week, guys, we can't even be getting out and Saturday with a hangover. We must win this next game when we, we, we play on Saturday and we we were, we flew back on the Thursday. And I don't remember us ever losing a game coming back from the warm winter training. And that was a kinda of similarity, um, in terms of the Christmas stuff. And 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 um, as Ammo said, the whole dressing room were rampant and said, Look, you know, he's he's giving us this this um, you know, kinda of decent treatment in mm-hmm. terms of treating us all like like adults and making sure that we behave like adults, and they did. And and you know they come back and again I I kind of look back and say we we had a nightmare the, the next day, but um, I certainly the ones that I remember <laughs> everything went well. Were there any players
2: that um you that surprised you in the sense that you maybe had a, a preconceived idea of them either before you joined Rangers or before they. <coughs> they joined in the early years, and then um, once you got working with them, you kind of completely changed your opinion, or you decided they weren't quite what you thought they
1: were? Well, um, Mikey Walsh had gone through some some bad, mm. um, yeah. a bad period in terms of his, his, his uh, I think it was, was it his crusher, They yeah. went to Holland and got it done, uh, and he didn't look the same, Mikey Walsh, and there was a couple, couple of wee things and I was playing him in the reserves and um, just trying to get him back to to what he was. And there was one little thing triggered in, in me when we played a reserve game at Dumbarton. And Dumbarton counter-attacked kind of the reserve team and um, this Michael Moles run, like chased 50 yards back and recovered the ball and you know it just it, it made me think uh listen never mind if Michael has lost a, a certain um sharpness in his movement or his turns his brilliant turns he, he that guy really cares look what he's done for the reserve team you know a lot of the guys are going to reserve team, and not you know, not move a muscle and say I can Yeah, I shouldn't be playing for the reserves. But I, I felt that, you know, Michael just needed to um, try and get him, get his mind back to never giving up. And that day, I thought that guy really cares. I'm going to put him in, in the team again. And he came back and he had some magnificent performances. Now I knew he was already a brilliant player, but. Just that wee spell, I thought, is Michael has he done? And uh, it proved to me that day that just just with that gesture of chasing back fifty yards, recovering the ball, and and uh, then you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a beautiful skill or anything that I seen. It was just that sheer mentality. He's he said to me, "I'll show you," you mm-hmm. know. And then when he came back into the team, he recovered um, a, a lot of his mobility and. Uh, he, you know, he was doing those little make, make him Mouse turns, you know, the, the fainting to the to the, the left, the fainting to the right, and swivelling on a defender. He was back to that again, and he scored some really vital goals for us in his comeback. Uh, so, I mean, that was a a real um, kind of eye opener. He was already a great player, but uh, we just just needed to get him back to um, he's just about his best again. Yeah, there's, there's, there's two
2: big what-ifs running about this time for me and one of them is obviously Mosey's injury and the type of player um, he went on to be was obviously different to, to what he would be now but the other one for me is, is George Alberts leaving um, before you came in. I always felt that he would have been the type of player that you would have, um, that you would have Not built your... the team around almost. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I felt like it was a real missed opportunity and you think when he left he was only 30. He could have been there right up to um,
1: 2005, 2006 even. I, George, well, George was was a, well, you know, a adult legend, and uh, in, in that part of Glasgow as well. know, I knew some. And I lived in Bearsden. I knew some of his close friends, and and George just absolutely idolised Rangers. And uh, you know, but did he play? I think he played just about one game. I think maybe, or when I was. Um, was it at Rangers.
0: And, no, and, and, he, he left in the summer. Um, he regrets did, it. He wishes he'd hung on us and also he That's ha- right. It was
1: I think it was at Hibs, and he, he scored the Easter Road, and it was one of the last games. And then he left. And yeah, you're right. And uh, but George, you know, I had, I had to go get get on with what I had, and um, you know, George was would have been a great acquisition I'm sure for another year or so but I, I know how, how much he cares about the club uh, but the other one who, who really surprised me was was Kanija because um, <clears throat> when watching Kanija playing for Argentina in a World Cup you, you could obviously see it's class but at that time everybody was overshadowed by Maradona mm. and yeah, you you know you think well, you know he's not got the skills of Maradona, but when when I saw him in training and when I saw the the damage he done to, to, to clubs in the last third, and especially that cup final, um, the league cup final when we we won two one, in the the second season, and um, Caniggia was just fantastic, a phenomenon. You know he he would get. Close defenders would get so close to him and then he would just um use his mobility and his he's uh his you know intense intensified speed yeah. and over over short distances. I <laughs> this guy is a far better player than I ever thought he was, you know, technically not just not just about speed. I used to think it was just about speed, but technically um better than I ever thought and and I'd seen him previously at Dundee as well, you know. And um, yeah, you know when he when he when I when I get the chance to work with him, then I thought, oh well, wow, he he's way higher up my estimation than I ever imagined. Alex, the the
0: first eighteen months are unbelievable. Um, something I'm sure people actually have forget that from when you took over uh, in the December to the end of the season Rangers only lost one domestic match. Unbelievable. And when you think of the the way they'd been playing before that, but then that following season, the treble season, we're going to talk about in some detail. Um, Craig Moore talked to us and did an interview, and he said that in his whole career, that's the only time that season, and you think of all the great sides he played in, he said, where it wasn't a feeling of, oh, we're going to win. It was, how many are we going to win by? Every week, he said, "Just <laughs> that was the attitude of that side. It was." He said, "We were so confident in a good way, not not arrogant, but he just said we knew if we all went out and did our job and that we all trusted each other." Um, could you sense that momentum among that side of No, they they're focused here. They've got this.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And it's funny. We we said that we frequently talked about goal difference as well. Uh, you know throughout because we, we all agreed that Celtic were a phenomenal side as well at that time and uh, even quoted people had quoted them as being the best team since Lisbon Lions um, and we said they they won't lose many and we won't lose many but we have to concentrate on, on uh, scoring goals and we have to be watertight at the back as well now to, to do both that it, it, for a team is very difficult because sometimes when you're searching for goals your centre backs start getting forward you know even guys like Craig Moore and and um, start appearing midway into the opposition half you know <laughs> when you've got a team under the coach, and you're thinking well, what if they break against us you know and but but the boys were were so bold and we 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 tried to have a bold attitude and and I think it showed in terms of that season and you know the amount of games where it, we we scored a few goals and and, it, and that the thriller at the end of the season when when um, every second goal we we got um, more than Celtic in, in that game when they were playing against Comaner. To think that that was going to be the difference, but there you go You know, and that, and so that was a factor and it was something that we discussed It's funny
2: when you think literally literally every goal counted and we were watching that game last night and you see Amoruso chasing down a ball and, and putting a cross in from, from left wing um, to, to, set up, <laughs> to set up one of the goals and you think well, that tactical framework needs to allow that and you need to allow your centre-half the freedom to go and do that to, to make that possible
1: yeah, you know, that that was quite, um, you know, one of the, the, the phenomenons in that game, when you see Amarusso running to the wide area, you know, I, I think, it, I can't remember, was it the result of a free kick or a corner anyway or something like that, so we've all been up there, we've all stayed up there in the past and to to try and uh, get a goal. Uh, right, you I did it to play. us in the 82, 90, the um,
0: 82
1: Scottish uh, Cup final. <laughs> That
0: that was in my head, but I wasn't. I'm not. i am not i not you for that one yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, well, well, that was uh, Amaruso had had uh, inspired at that, that very moment. <laughs> and, and let's be honest, the the crowd, the crowd, uh, it, you know, took inspiration for that as well. And mm. you know, Amo knows that if he's going to do something for the team, that he's going to get. Um, roundly applauded by the fans and he, he you know he, he, these guys thrive on that and and the, of course Adelaide's finish was, oh, was just sublime yeah. so uh, yes that was the type of team that we were that season that was the type of team uh, type of style that we had to adopt because and Celtic had to do it as well they had to try and score goals as many goals as they could in, in all their games we, we dropped a point in the first See, the first game of the season against Kilmarnock and Celtic won and then the next day it was is the league over? <laughs> and they and, uh, said no there's definitely no was going to be uh, twists and turns in this league this season but we were certainly going to have a great chance in it. and for me I, I always felt we would go right to the wire
0: The only disappointment in that season was going out of Europe to Victoria and Zisco but looking back Maybe with you know the benefit of hindsight, was that maybe not the worst thing that could have happened that year?
1: <clears throat> well, you know, I, I still look back and think when we approach every game, we want to win every game. Yeah, you know, so it wasn't a, like a, a relief. But if you at the end of the season, you, you might take it as that because possibly it relates to Ronald, for instance, Ronald. Uh, quit the year after with, um, you know, it was too much for his knee and maybe too many games for him in Europe might might have no, no allowed us to, to have him to do what he did in the league. Mm-hmm. So in the end, yeah, it, 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 you know, if that's what had to happen then for us to win that, then of course we take that. Absolutely. And the, the Zisco game was was a disappointment, not a... a a high-powered team that um, we lost to, but, uh, you know, sometimes you get these, these upsets in European football, and especially sometimes if the players think, if they go out and think, well, you know, maybe we'll beat this team just by oh. uh, doing doing their own thing and doing it at a lesser pace, and, and that was maybe the problem. But in saying that, you know, you just cannot take away the season that they had.
2: Um, like, um, sorry, go sorry, on dude. Adam go All right. on. I was going to say just to, to bring it back to, to present um, present time a little bit Then Rangers have obviously had some excellent results in Europe over the last two seasons and overachieved I think both seasons but um, you kind of wonder given how the, the two domestic campaigns have went whether that's had a bit of an impact you mentioned there it's probably not possible to to manage uh, the Thursday Sunday schedule and, and kind of prioritise one over the other you kind of have to just
1: go with well, what game's coming up next don't you? Yeah, <clears throat> you know, Euro Rangers, this season, phenomenal um, showing in Europe. And and and, and I guess the, the biggest disappointment is obviously when they, 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 they beat Celtic, they go away from home and beat Celtic and then have a, a disappointing run of results again. It was almost like a replica of last season. And, uh, you know, dropping points here and there and Celtic... Uh, Continue to win. Uh, this is, you know, I think everybody thought, and probably maybe even Stephen as well, but and and but Gary, um, two great friends, and they they would probably have thought, well, you know, we're not going to do what we done last season, but <clears throat> for some reason, you no, know, maybe not just quite strong enough at the moment um, mentally, and <clears throat> and possibly, excuse me, possibly one or two. Um, you, new acquisitions can help to make a difference but you, you know that, that's that been the big disappointment this season if if you're a Rangers fan.
2: I remember thinking that, that summer 2002 um, obviously Tory Andrew Flo left I think he'd got, he'd got quite a lot of goals the season before, I think it was 25 he managed to get in all competitions but I remember thinking going into that, that season that we were maybe a little bit light attacking wise and we didn't have that that centre-forward that, that we maybe had before. But then we went on to just, just it was a, a fantastic tactic with so much kind of attacking intent. Was it a case that you wanted to... It was quite ahead of its time, I thought. You mentioned it was kind of 4, two, four, four three, three, but we had the two attacking full-backs and then we had one defensive midfielder, I guess, if you want to call it that, but he didn't always play. Sometimes it was Fergus and Arteta who were naturally more attacking. Was that a kind of thing that you thought from the summer, we want to go with this and we want to have this... High energy football, or was it something that just kind of evolved as the season
1: went tactically? No, it, well, we felt we are tata, and I had dialogue with Ronald De Boer with about, about Mikel because Ronald obviously had the Barcelona connection, mm-hmm. and um, he was he was telling me about what the coach thought about Mikel and, and his, his his quality, his ability. He's he's um, good, good passing of the ball. And the the one thing that I said, we we spoke about the coaches now, and Andy Watson um, and and Jan Bowers, fantastic coaches and, and um, great to have them by my side. We we felt well, he's not going to be able to usurp Barry Ferguson. But Barry is, is was alone in that position. is is the most outstanding, yeah. Player not only the club, but I would have said in the league in that position, <clears throat> which uh, Mikhail went on to have a, have a great career, uh, playing more more of a holding role. Barry liked to get forward, but he also could do do both, getting back as well. Um, Mikhail um, likewise learned how to to, to do those things later later in his career, but we 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 thought about the dynamic and said that. He's, he's quick. He's he's very quick with the ball. He's got good feet. What about him linking from you know the left side coming in and linking in with the forwards? And uh, you know what the treat for is, uh, and Barry kind of marshalling the, just in front of the back four balls. so taking his moments, choosing the right moments to go forward, and it just gave us such a a, a speedy dynamic playing. Um, Mikel from that position, and you know we had we we obviously had the uh, the choice of forwards that was incredible. Tory going was um, you know part of the, the process of of uh, you know the, the club maybe looking at the pennies and and uh, it, but that was we, we, we totally understood that, and I felt that we we could handle that. And, and discussing with David and. Martin Bain, that I could definitely, I definitely felt that we had the power and the players' quality to continue to score goals. And I think Barry had a barrel of goals that season. And Ronald De Boer, we instead of playing him in number ten, we we played him in number nine, which um, put the fear of of Gordon the, the <laughs> opposition players. And defenders, uh, so yeah, that that was we 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 made the make mind, our minds up not to play in that um, kind of short that uh, they they just in front of the back four, but playing a more dynamic attacking role.
0: Alex, that <laughs> that summer the team unfortunately breaks up financial reality beginning to hit home at the club. I have to ask, you've you won five trophies out of five, you're playing this great football, your team's been kind of sold out from under you. Was there a temptation on your part to maybe go, I should maybe look at my options here, because your stock was incredibly high at this point, and you must have been getting <laughs> quite a lot of glances yeah. from from the Premiership down south? Yeah. Um, well, it, well, it's difficult to,
1: to leave just walk away from a, a a phenomenon like Glasgow Rangers and um, having... I, I kind of thought, right, we're going to have off the squad to build again. And I, I had a previous experience of that at Mullerwell and I knew that if we didn't get the, you know, the the, the right players and then the preparation was going to be difficult for the next season. And and as a result, I think we did far too many deals in the summer. Um just leading up to the pre-season training and it was just too late, you know, we, we cuz it, it was difficult to, to well, we didn't need to scout the players because they we were all a lot of them were household names, but they were you know in the twilights of our career and you know we for instance Capuchulo came back from one in a treble with uh Josie Mourinho in Portugal and he had had an extended we had to get him extended holiday time and he was in Brazil for a couple of weeks and he came back he, he wasn't fit and it took us about two months to get um capucho to a better level and, he, and at, at that kind of moment we, we had uh, made made uh, decisions and no playing him and things like that and uh, just when I felt that he was probably uh, looking extremely fit again it, we, we let him go <clears throat> and yeah, so, so that, the preparation for that season, David um, recognised that and at the end of the season you know, we lost in the, the semi-final to Hubs and penalties and it, then uh, David, you know David Martin and I were sat down to the end, and it was uh, you know I, you, you can easily lose your job in that, but David, it was was fair and said, uh, look, you haven't had a good deck of cards this season. Let's um, you know you, there's no way that you'll you'll be um, getting your daughters and you know it was great to hear that, and they they, they kept the faith, and um, the next season we prepared well, we we did. Have a couple of players already tied up in January that that served us so well in the coming season, Tadopicio um, and Boomsong. and and then we had made some other acquisitions later on in that season, as you know, which led to, to last day celebrations also. <clears throat> so yeah, um, to to lose all those players in one fell swoop after winning the treble was was a sore one. I think it's well
2: expected. I think it's 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 a kinda of double edged sword If you think you're losing all those players that you think Newman, Kinesia, Amaruso, McCann, Barry Ferguson, David Hero, Dan Egan. Um the, the only one that came in was, was Nuno Caputo for, for money. Everyone else, as you mentioned, was kinda of freeze. Is that difficult, I guess, as you as you get through the summer and you know, maybe coming back to preseason you mentioned they all come in a wee bit later on. Is that kinda of quite challenging and you think you're almost running out of time a little
1: bit? Yeah. Um we 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 were you know, chasing the clock already, and uh, you know, trying to get uh, a system, get players used to each other, and get trying to get a rhythm, um, which which uh, made it really difficult. And yet, as you know, we well, we tried to keep a philosophy of winning every game that we went into. There was there was no real, you know, in Europe we, we were a wee bit different, but there was no no kind of. Real thoughts of saying, right, let's sit back against Aberdeen and then hit them in a counter-attack. We never really had that those kind of thoughts. And we always felt that the Rangers are expected to win. They're one of the unique clubs in the world where the fans demand and, and Rangers demand that you win every single week. And we we probably at times were a we bit exposed Maybe legs-wise, you know, some of the players, as I said, Emerson came and he was a fantastic um, technician, but he 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 didn't have the legs anymore, and just at the back end of his career, and and one or two others. But in saying that, it was a real disruption of of a a team that were in harmony. When when you you have to change six or seven positions, I don't care um, what anybody says. I, I think that that is. That that harms harms the team. If I go back to the year that I coached the Birmingham, managed the Birmingham, we played in the Carling Cup. And we played some small teams in the opening rounds, and I said, "Right, it's a chance to uh, spread the squad about." And I brought made seven or eight changes, and you're looking, I'm not actually looking at the team on paper and I'm saying, it's a great team actually, it's a great team but but then you you go on and you struggle, we struggled, you know, and, and won the game in penalties at Birmingham at and, you know, we struggled in one or two of the other ties when I keep, kept changing the team and, and, uh, it's because you don't have that rhythm. Well, well these guys are training every day and training together you think, well, they must know each other but, when you don't get that that kind of natural rhythm of playing together with each other for a long time, then you know of everybody's habits and what they can do, what they can't do. Uh, and, and that made it a very tough season for me.
0: Alex, um, <laughs> although we're just about to talk about the most famous title triumph in Scottish football history, one that will never, ever be forgotten as long as anybody that was... There on that day I'm getting goosebumps even just thinking about it Never mind asking about it But people maybe forget that that There was a wee period earlier in that season Where the team was struggling Looked a wee bit short in confidence And there were two games where the papers were saying That your job might be in trouble And that was a League Cup game up at Aberdeen No gimme at all that one, you know Aberdeen away for Rangers and then Maritimo in the, the UEFA Cup, as it was at the time. Did you mm-hmm. feel it? I mean, you, you said that, that David Murray had spoken to you and team said, don't worry about it. But did you feel that pressure? And, of course, Rangers dig out. Um, Fernando Rickson scores a beauty up at Pataudry. And we, we th- right, and we get through that 2-0. And then, of course, Maritimo. I mean, Adam and I were in the ground that night. We, we felt the tension as fans, never mind as... Uh, was that on the table from David Murray, or was he just saying to you, "Ignore the papers. I know that you've, I know you've got this."
1: Yeah. Um, no, David. I'm, I'm sure they would have probably got a wee bit wobbly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that David and Martin would have had a chat about it, and um, <laughs> you never know if, if the penalties, the penalty shootout against Maritimo. It was you know, it didn't go the right way. Then um, you never know. It might not be talking to you just now, or maybe talking to you about something different. <laughs> but um, I think I think that night, you know, when we got through that, then I felt that a wee bit of confidence come back to the team and a wee bit of belief again. And as you say, there was, there was that important game against um, Aberdeen up at Pottadre which made a big difference and then we you know I think we was it Celtic next one? that was one of the next games yep. come, coming up which was of course probably the, the, the biggie the real well, it's always the biggie it's always the biggie but that would have been the, the biggest one for us
0: oh I think we've lost Adam um, are
1: you alright we lost Adam
0: there I'll be back I'm sure um So, uh, moving on to to later in that season, the team starts to get a bit of momentum. And up front, you've got Dado Purso, who was a warrior. The guy looked as though he was built for Scottish football. Um, I I wanted to ask you in general about French. There was a lot of signings from France about that time. And you found some some real quality players. Um, And I've always been intrigued by this because you... You know the the French game really well. You've done this your your whole career. I, I always wondered if it, it's a league that you you liked, or whether it was maybe something from your playing days. Because I remember Eric Black went over to play there for a while as well. And is it some is it a league you admire, basically? Yeah, <clears throat> league league
1: one in in France was. You
0: know, at that
1: time you you could get some bargains, but. Probably more importantly, when when contracts were finished in France, then they were finished in Scotland. Um, I'm not sure about England at the time. But when when I was finishing my career, I know I know that the Bos the Bosmans were in place by the time um, you know I, I brought Dado and all that. And but and, and even in Scotland. But when I was playing, I. I Even at the end of my contract, you couldn't just walk away. You know, there was many times that I've had approaches from people in England. There wasn't so much the big agency thing there where the agent could go and kick down the door of the manager. You know, I had to deal with Sir Alex Ferguson on my tod at times and renewing contracts and (laughs) and saying to my wife, I'm I'm going to tell him that I want to to move. But, you know, in the end, I bottled it and asked him... Instead for more money, you know, <laughs> and, and probably a ten arrives, you know. So uh, these 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 days, when when um, the markets were open, France was for me, you know, it was, it was a good. There was a definitely a good market in there, and you could pick up some good players. Uh, sometimes, it, not all, not always, but. I knew that we were um, looking at the pennies, so I I had to be very um, fruitful in terms of bringing in the right one. And that is one of the key things in professional football is recruitment. And I I did learn over the years that you've got to get the recruitment right. And, you, you know, Motherwell, when I... It's, it was very similar to Rangers. Mullerwell finished second after Rangers and Celtic were third. I remember Tommy Burns saying you know, that, that Mullerwell teams are a really cracking footballing team and I'd, <clears throat> I'd like to get Celtic to their levels in. Tommy was at that time um, trying to build a team again. So uh, for him to say that was, was quite amazing. But the second season in Mullerwell, I lost um, similar to, to Rangers' situation. I lost about eight or nine players. You know, Kravokovic was, was done. Tommy Coyne had, had an knee that just couldn't allow him to play anymore. Chris McCart was similar. Um, you know, we, we about nine players out. Paul Lambert left and he was one of the first to leave on a, a Bosman. And Rob McKinnon as well. So, it decimated the, the core of the team. And... Um, I tried to replace Tommy Coyne with a guy who I thought had his great movement and looked as if he he, you know, he he could have the same kind of traits as Tommy Coyne, but he was only a young guy and didn't have all the answers yet. Then when you see him in the team and it's not quite the Tommy Coyne that you thought he was, that's when I learned all about recruitment. And that's when I you know, I felt that the, the year before when we bought all those, not bought, all those players, but to all those players in the summer, free transfers, and had a miserable season. That the next season we prepared in advance, and that was the key. Dado. So see, see that yeah, I was going to say. So
2: Purcell and Roomsom, Roomsom. Then how how much how much far in advance is that? Because Purcell had was runner-up in the Champions League with Monaco um, and Boomsom was the next big French star was that a big challenge then I guess to, to get them over the line and come to Rangers
1: it was, uh, it was um, running about January Adam so it was the previous January I went across to Monaco to see uh, Dado playing for the French team against Real Madrid and I don't know if it was the semi-finals or the quarter-finals but Dado absolutely battered the Real Madrid defence to pieces and to know that this guy was wanting to come with all his heart to play for Rangers was I thought oh God I just hope nobody's looking here, you know, I hope that nobody in Milan or something <laughs> that don't come in here and but he was intent on coming to Rangers. And Boom Song we we also um, got him through Oxair and we knew that he was uh, a French international and one of star for the future, and he he, he was so quick and uh, strong that uh, that again he, we did a, we did the deal in January. We did it well in advance of him coming in this summer. I'm sure it, I'm sure it was another January, and we obviously you know we only held on to Bumson for for half a season, but uh, he. Him and Dado were two giants to to come to Rangers at that particular time and transform the team.
2: That two thousand and five window there, you mentioned obviously that that amount of money coming in for Boomsong Song um, after he's only been there four months. I guess sometimes you just need to hold your hand up and say it's it's good business, but um, it is a huge offer. But I guess it definitely cushions the blow when you can go out and bring in guys like Batist Caragacos. Barry Ferguson coming back and, and Thomas Buffel with the money. Obviously, it's sad to see someone go after only four months, but I think that cushions the blow a wee bit. Yeah, well, well Alex, he, as you know,
0: Alex. He, sorry, few, Alex. I've got to ask you though. Did you um, go into David Murray when the Boom Song deal went and the, I want the money this time? Right, come on. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, well, when we spoke about it, he said, "Alex, listen, we can't refuse that money at this particular time in, in the club's finances." And I, I said no, gentlemen. I've never ever um, been against doing anything. I've, I've always backed back the club in terms of um, where they have to be, and uh, you know, you know. And I've, I've just got to go on there and, and still try and keep a winning team. But I, I do need a wee bit of help. And he, you know, he, he says, "Oh no, no they will definitely be." The money's available available to you to strengthen the team. Now, as you know, that sometimes selling a player, one player, and bringing in five or six players to replace him, and still save some money, into the bargain, as sometimes doesn't work. And most of the things doesn't work if you're selling a marquee player and uh, if I can give you an example of uh, Gareth Bale when he left Spurs That's right, yeah. Yeah, for 80 million then uh, Pochettino or was Pochettino I think was it the Sobel? Um the Spurs then went on to bring in about five or six players and on paper those players look pretty decent right. and but then when you try and marry them all into the team in the, the first few games or, or you feed one or two in now and again, then you see the the, the gap that has been left by the loss of Bale. And, and it took Spurs quite a wee while to recover and to get those guys into a kind of rhythm. Some of them have done well and I don't know if some of them lasted the courts. Okay, so mm-hmm. so I was on that example of Bale losing Bale, and then Spurs kind of lose a lose a maverick, and um, it it spirals them a wee bit, you know, down down further down the table, and then it takes them a while to recover. But we made we did some really good business that season. We we him some going and bringing in Kerry Akos, who you know, Alastis was he was almost like a a big Scottish warrior as well. He was like the, a Dado centre-half, you know. Hmm. And, and Dado was was a Kyriakos centre-forward kind of thing. You know, two guys of the same ilk. And Barry Ferguson coming back was was um, awesome. And Thomas Puffo as well. So the, these guys, and Va- Ronnie Vatterus, who was a tremendous footballer, and... Um, in terms of his passing, and uh, that that was going to, that was the next problem for me. but You know, the choice between Vaterus and Stefan.
0: Oh, to, can I can imagine having that kind of option these days. Or oh,
1: two high quality eagle guys, you
0: know. Oh, they were superb footballers, and we we go on. We won the league cup. Um, a thumping great performance at, uh, uh, at at Hamden to to beat Motherwell five one. Um, we, beat, yes. we beat Celtic away, which we hadn't done for a while um, Beat them 2-0 um, With uh, the Gregory Vignal and, and Nacho Novo yes. goals And then uh, it gets into another one of these It's going to be an epic title race Celtic bring in Craig Bellamy And there's enough time has gone by now for me to admit That Craig Bellamy was actually quite a good player um, <laughs> And he was tearing it up And they beat us 2-1 at Ibrox They're five points ahead with three games to go Uh, Famously their fans put up a banner saying we won the league at Ibrox And look at that point you've got to pick yourself up And I remember going, this is why I always laugh when they talk about a winter break in Scotland Alex Because I don't know if you remember this game but we went up to Pataudry the following week And the fans were down, we were, we were down, we thought it it was done And um, the pitch that day was like a swimming pool it just would yeah. not stop raining. And Dado Cold Oh, it was horrible. And this is this is April <laughs> And it looked like it looked like the middle of winter. Um and Dado Purzo has just this absolutely unbelievable game. We get a 3 1 win. Celtic lose, and then all of a sudden, maybe just maybe um, it's back on. How do you pick the players up after that defeat? Because, as I say, going to Petardry is probably the worst place Rangers can go for an away trip out with Parkhead. Um, uh-huh. And how do you say to them, "Look, lads, you've got to." I don't care. I know it's five points in three games, but you've you've got to give yourselves a chance.
1: Well, well, I think Celtic played the day before, David, didn't it? Aye. Um, they they played Hibs the day before and lost. And that that gave us the, you know, the kind of motivation, the impetus and a big lift uh, in terms of going to that Potodri game. Um, I'm sure that that was the the kind of timeline. They were bang up for it that day Aberdeen,
0: they really came at us.
1: Aye, but we played played the Sunday, I think Celtic played Hibs on the Saturday and lost.
0: Aye, and we were the
1: live game. Yeah, because cause, uh, I remember the bus erupting when we were on, <laughs> on the road. Because uh, I kept saying to the players, turn that half, you're all bloody, you know, you're jinxing. The, 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 the ooze and the, the, ooze and the ahs, you know, <laughs> never mind. We'll, we'll find out a score. But they kept it on and then they, they erupted when, when Hibs had won the game. And so that took us, if we won it, over then. Back to two points, uh, which um, we went up there. As you said, there was a Quagmire, big big daddle, ploughed through the Aberdeen defence as if they weren't there. And uh, and, you know, it was a it was a brilliant victory in terms of our morale. Again, you know, and And we we back to Glasgow with the three points, and we were only within two now.
2: I remember that Aberdeen game, I was actually at that one and it was that's the one where Posso was sliding through the rain, wasn't
1: it, in front of the, it was. In front of the Rangers he, fans, yeah. He was dragging defenders, uh, you know, they were holding on him, trying to pull <laughs> him back, and he was just ploughing right through them.
2: That, that, that game's game quite an interesting one because you mentioned obviously Celtic had lost the day before, but then we scored early on, Ferguson scored, I um, oh God, it must have been the first 15 minutes or so, but then they, Aberdeen equalised and we managed to get that goal just before half-time, I guess. That team talk would have been very different if we hadn't managed to if we'd been in at one each rather than us being two one up. It would have been uh, slightly yeah, different.
1: Uh, yeah, of course, of course, atmosphere changes with every every goal that's scored for or against. Um, and uh, but it, it, you know, coming into room, the dressing room, the players were were really you know at, at each other in terms of we've got to win this game. You know, we don't win this, we'll regret it for the rest of their lives, and it. It ended up a little bit like the same spiel one helicopter Sunday, um, but that was the you know the the, the war cry at half time and they, they knew that they had to win the Aberdeen game and come away with the three points. And and then the, the you know the bottle that we had in the dressing room, the, the, the fierceness of the, the Dados and the Ferguson's um, drove everybody on. And Lee then, Rickson as well, you
0: know. And then that following week, the games are like you wouldn't have seen because you were obviously, of course, at the, the epicenter of this. But as you, the, the boys were all heading off to, to Easter Road, even as the fans, um, Glasgow, it split all its bars, Alex, where there would be some bars would be showing the Rangers game and some showing the Celtic game. So Aye. Glasgow was like a ghost town. Because there was nobody in the streets during this this kind of three hours, <laughs> and um, I'll I'll never forget. Nobody will ever forget this. Marvin Andrews, big Marvin. You know, you 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 got him from Livingston. I think a lot of fans at first were like, "Really, this guy?" Um, that week, I just remember. I thought he could talk me into buying a timeshare because for the start <laughs> of the week I was going, nah, you know, they're not going to lose, but we're, we're not going to do it. But at the end of the week, you know, he had me buzzing. What was he like in the dressing room about this time? Because he he seemed just utterly convinced. I would don't worry, it's going we're going to win. Yeah, I, hard to, to to remember back
1: actually what what happened every day, but it it was never ever without a smile on his face. Yeah, you know. You know he was that type of guy and if you looked at if you were in a bad mood and you looked at the beginning you would see his gleaming white teeth you know glaring at you with a huge big smile on his face and you know it's hard to to kind of be annoyed at that you know Mm -hmm. so he he was he was a good um, leader in terms of get raised in people's spirits and stuff and we trained you know, we trained well, knowing we, we had the chance, knowing that, um, you know, something. If we, the, the one thing we concentrated on the whole week was you've just got to go to Easter Road and win. You cannot ever leave this this ground without winning that game. And the, and then Celtic don't get the result. That, well, certainly get the result that, that would have won as a title. You'll regret that for the rest of your life. So you have to win the game, and and again it was a wee bit like the, you, you know the main games of when you, you go on a summer break and uh, yeah, sorry one winter training you've got to come back and win. If I give you Christmas day off, you've got to win tomorrow. Uh, it's not no question of anything other than a victory, and that was the mantra for the whole week in in that Hibs game. We knew Hibs were in the verge of Europe. So we did have a feeling that if we, we we could get ahead, then, you know, Hibs might might be uh, afraid of losing their goals. And they might shut up, they might try and, you know, stay back. So they were a bit tentative to, to, in the beginning. And as you know, we we had to go at them the whole game. And then, as you saw at the end, after the uh, nature's goal before little run at the, the defence and um you know after that it was Hibbs just could not come out beyond no, the eighteen yard line. And the sad. only thing that was worrying me was was Big Big Marvin, you know the, the him that said everything'll be okay. He he kept trying to run out of defence with the ball <laughs> and on. it wasn't his forty. It definitely wasn't his forty uh, and I said, where are you going Marvin? He says, I oh, but the coach there Standing 50 yards behind us So I must drive with the ball <laughs> And I says, Biggin, stay back and Him and Kyriakos were playing keep ball And I fight. Uh, it I just... was the most tense
0: Kenny Clark said to me one time He said, Barry Ferguson came up to him When there was five minutes left And he said, blow the whistle, this is boring um, uh, He said, I He blow the whistle early, Barry He's like, alright, okay Um, He said then the next thing There's an explosion in the crowd He says and Barry runs up to me and goes How long's left? And he went "Ah, It's no boring now is it Barry? (laughs) What was was it like when that moment happened? You know when you heard uh, the crowd explode? As I I say
1: I've said many times That that was uh, the biggest fine thing In my life Was was, um, That roar And you know, I obviously knew Motherwell had had scored, and you know Barry, Barry like just like the, the same day the travel, well the the league title victory a couple of years before. Barry shouting out the park. What's happened? What's happening? <laughs> well, obviously with the the, the the noise of that Rangers crowd, which uh, was something that you know like no other before oh. or ever. Or, or, since <clears throat> then, um, you know, but Bar- but Barry Bar- 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 uh, realised obviously that Mother um, had scored. And then there was another roar, and I thought that that was the full time whistle at um, for part, but it was Scott McDonald scoring again. So, you know, this, at that moment we knew we'd done it. The celebrations and, um, were amazing. Then the referee
0: blew for full time. Oh, what a day! I mean, it was just it will never be beaten because to be what four minutes away from no one in the title to then have it all turned around in, in that space of time was just extraordinary. And at this stage, Alex, you know the, the first the first title triumph, you've got all these amazing players, you've got this squad, you you've, you've, you've turned them into being a good, but but they're a good squad. This squad. On paper, maybe wasn't as strong as Celtic's, and yet you'd overcome them.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's that's a good point. Um, you know, but one of the a couple of the overriding factors was definitely that you know we, we we did a good wee bit of preparation and the, the, the previous transfer window, and then again in in January. It, you know, David bring in those helped me to bring in those four four players It just um also galvanized the squad again. So you, you know, when you look look back at it you think, well, we we not the qual quality wise was near the same level as as the two thousand three team. But you know, in terms of never say die, never giving up then the Helicopter Sunday team, that, that's what
2: they had in their locker. I never... Um, I was at the game, and I, I was probably the same as you. When that second drawer came up from the stand, I thought that was 1-H. I I actually find out um, for about two hours that it was 2-1. It was completely... It was so surreal sitting in the stand and and hearing the noise. Um, and also, you mentioned our game wasn't exactly frantic at this point. The Hibs were quite happy, so it's almost like <laughs> you're... You're, you're kind of wanting to watch another game. It was such a pressurised situation, but at the same time, quite surreal sitting there watching kind of a bit of a non-event going on in the park at the same time.
1: Oh, Honestly, see that, the first roar, though, when Scott McDonald scored the equaliser, that, honestly, it, it, it's hard. It's, obviously, you can see it in, in uh, reruns and stuff, but just to be there on that day and to, to listen to the noise, that noise that was made, that that goal was um, just uh, unbeatable, unbeatable.
0: Oh, it was just such an extraordinary time. And then the following season, Alex. Now, obviously, it's it's a disappointment, but. But even during that, there is this Champions League run, and I don't think it's fair to, to end the interview on a low, so I'll maybe swap them about a wee bit if that's okay. Um and yeah, We'll, yeah, we'll yeah. finish up yeah. with the Champions League because, as I say, still Rangers' best performance in the Champions League, um, so I, I think it deserves a wee bit of credit. But um, obviously during that season, the, the league campaign starts to go badly, and we have that famous or infamous, I suppose, ten game run, no victories. David Murray sort of publicly I think puts your job in the line with this we'll review mm-hmm. it in December thing. Um and I think it became sort of clear during this stage that, that a change was gonna come, even if it was at the end of the season, which of course he announces yes. later. Is there just a thing with a football manager? You mentioned that Dick Advocate saying to you that I've, I've told them and told them and told them, and it's not getting through. Is there maybe a shelf life for a manager where it's just they're not listening anymore?
1: Well, I think there's a shelf life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, at Rangers clubs like Rangers and Celtic and uh, other teams of that ilk. Um, you know, and in terms of the of of uh, leaving. The club, i said say to David, uh, uh, you know, listen, I'm going January, we, we'd qualified for the last 16, and he says, no, Alec, like, listen, there's no one that uh, I would expect to walk the team out uh, against Villarreal other than you. So, you know, I, Says okay, we'll stay at the end of the season, and that was a wee bit kind of strange because um, everybody knew, it and it was out in the open. Normally, you you that kind of decision with foreign teams. You know, they, that's right, Yeah. I, 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 you know, I was a big, um, you know, I bought the World Soccer every month, and and then reading about foreign managers, and you'd always see them saying things like, um, "Yeah, the the coach is going to." Um, resign at the end of the season or he's going to leave at the end of the season they've already lined up blah 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 so it was getting towards that kind of European um, system and I thought well maybe that's the way our games are evolving as well but you know staying on we we had a great second half of the season if we'd got as many points in the first half of the season we did in the second we'd have been running close again Uh, so it it was good to get a wee bit of um, consistency back into the, the, the team in the second half of the season, get some injured players back. And you know, that was that was probably the key to everything. Consistency and uh, confidence again. And Dado was missing for a wee part of the season too. So um we Dado was there at that time, wasn't he?
0: yeah yeah he he did get injured as you say he never really recovered he he got a knee injury and then that's
1: right yeah Yeah. yeah. so you know in the end I'm saying well it's it's been a a fantastic um, ride you know around the roller coaster sometimes but um, you know in, in essence when you look back then you think well I didn't do a bad job there at all not uh, at all, and it, I didn't think the players were getting, <coughs> getting fed up at first. You know, I just felt that we need needed uh, to change things around a wee bit in, in terms of personnel, and um, it took a couple of years for Rangers to do that when Walter came back.
0: Do you think that fans get bored, Alex? Just, like, just never mind. They just sometimes crave a new face.
1: Yeah, I, that, that's that's a good point. You know. <coughs> Yeah, um, definitely. The but as I said, I think the big clubs sometimes it's it's a shelf life. Alec Ferguson and people like that accepted.
2: Let's talk about that European run then, Alex. That that was obviously a pretty big um, distraction, and we did so well to get through. As you mentioned, um, it might have been more of a distraction if, if Chris Boyd's leg had been a couple of inches longer oh, no. and fellery <laughs> Um, that's another kind of sliding doors moment, but that must have been a
1: real highlight of that season for you. Yeah, my my, my life flashed before my eyes, and boy, these clear my throat. And yeah, they, see what I was saying earlier about you know, we we just still went for every game, even though maybe we didn't have quite that quality, you know, possibly uh, Stephen will be thinking that it'll be a wee bit this season. That that something you, when you see Rangers in the, in the European uh, scene this season, they've done really well in counter attack. And but but Stevie knows as well as I know that, that in Scotland you just cannot play counter attack. You, no. You've got to, as a Rangers team, you've got to go out and win every game. And in that season, I felt that. We we did try and win every game, but we just didn't have quite that confidence or quality. Um, there were some younger guys in the, in the team at the time and playing in their trade. But, uh, it, it, you know, the, the one thing that we did do was, in Europe, we were pretty tactical and didn't play necessarily to win games, um, but made sure that we stifled the opposition and we would get a chance. Yeah, I, I, the game in Porto. And, you know, and, and to Milan as well at Ibrox we we, we we I wouldn't say we defended in that game but we it was more um a very organized structure to allow us to, you know, get the result that we needed and, and that's the Champions League kinda for me came across more as tactical and and um Rather than, than what we did in the league with, with maybe a yeah, weakened squad. Lovinkans well, is always a player I associate more with
2: with with you. Um, obviously Advocate signed him, but he obviously had his, his best time with you at the, the 18 months of start where he was on fire, and then this Champions League campaign as well. I think he got four goals um, in the group stages, and then the the knockout round. He was a pretty uh, a pretty crucial player at this time.
1: Well. Yeah, you, you see what Peter had done before, in, in, in games before the the two goals in the Cup final 2002, and what he'd done since. And he he was a reluctant conscript when you asked him to play in the wing. You know, he, he just wanted to play through the middle all the time. And when when you think about it, the goals he scored for us, the important goals he scored, he, he did get a lot of them through the middle. And and playing in you know, in in an inside forward kind of area, you know, coming in from the wide and playing inside you know, a bit like the the modern day four 3s the, the wingers come in and play with the centre forward. Peter ended up drifting in there quite a lot. Rather than giving the ball, you know, at first when I first saw Peter and I first started working with him I thought, right? He's got some speed, he's just a guy, he's a winger, give him the ball and tell him to run at the
0: defender, you know, but he was, there was much more to him than that. Alex, we worked out one time, Um, believe it or not, the greatest pound-for-pound pound signing in Rangers history, and it might surprise you to know that you made it, Um, it was four hundred grand to Dundee for Nacho Novo, and nobody's going to say that Nacho was the best player Rangers have ever had, but he scored twice to take us into the Champions League. So, what's that, 20 million? He scored the winning goal in a Scottish Cup final. He got eight against Celtic. Um, he got the goal in Florence to take us to the UEFA Cup final. Uh, what was it like to work with him?
1: <laughs> we, when you say all that, God, for 400 grand? <laughs> no <laughs> bad, eh?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: no, listen, he, he was uh, he was a he's a pretty t- 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 little guy and he's got the you know, the pigeon the English and, <laughs> and, and and you know, to talking to him um he he well he's so Rangers orientated, that's not true, yeah. isn't it? You know, when you, you speak to him and I'm, you know, having met him a few times when we were going in and out to see Fernando in hospital, yeah, God rest his soul, uh we we Nacho and I had gone through the times together, you know, with the, the, the history. And he is such a fervent Rangers fan. And so, that, as you said, that is some piece of business. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. And, uh, you know, when you think of, the, we get Dado for nothing, we get uh, Boomsong for nothing, make eight million out of him, and uh, you know, there's a lot of really good acquisitions over the years. Walter then went on and brought Bitch people like that, Stephen Davis, and mm. to, to get an incredible team going too. So, so that's the key. Recruitment is the key, and especially, especially how much these guys craved playing for Rangers. Novo got the helicopter Sunday goal as well,
2: which was missing that list And this. Yes. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was thinking there was something glaringly no.
1: missing there. No, uh, yeah.
0: It's not bad.
2: <laughs> not bad at all. Alex, I know. Alex, you've obviously got great experience working with uh, Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, he's one of the first managers that I ever really remember discussing how he would deal with opposition players tactically. I remember watching Man United 10, 15 years ago and they've got midfields that wouldn't other teams wouldn't necessarily play, but they were there to do a specific job and nullify the opposition. I remember him doing that way before Jose Mourinho and Rafa Bates were, were kind of doing it 15 years ago. Um, was that something that you have learned from him? Is that obviously playing for Rangers, we're probably more concerned about what we do first, but was that yeah. kind of opposition focus something that you did a
1: lot of? Yeah, no, it wasn't. We we never ever disrespected opposition, no matter who it was. But we, we, we were always confident, especially when you have a certain um, amount of players in your team. That, for instance, you know the the 2003 title-winning team. You know that you're going to win more than you're going to lose, if, if at all. Uh, and that was how confident we were with the, these guys. You know, your beck and call. Uh, you know, when you mentioned Sir Alex, yeah, obviously there was there was a lot of Dublin um, from him. Um, uh, midfields even he even experimented with three at the back uh, once. When and then Wallaby um, said, "Well, listen, I, I can't do that." You. <laughs> you know, so you, you get your your senior players uh, having a say as well. But uh, you know, if I if I um, give you an example of well, I, I we spoke about the French League One. I went to see Gerard Rouli when and I was at a Rangers at the time. I was before that, but Gerard kindly invited me to to watch Leon training for a week. And at that time, they were they were winning the French League. You know, I think they won three in a row with with Gerard, and um. Chat me him over lunch, and he said, and I said to him, you know, do you do you get nervous? In the do, you, do you still feel the, you know, the feelings you get in your stomach? And you know, I because I get them. And he said, yeah, everybody gets them. He, he said, and I remember Sir Alex as well, even in the Podridge dressing room, and you know, going through the toilet, just oh, always one minute before we went out for for the game, you know, to <laughs> clear his throat and stuff like that. Um, and Gerard, on asking him that, I said, D- Are you nervous? He says, Look, I." he said, You are nervous always. He said, But less so when you can look out on that pitch and trust those guys you see on the pitch. Now he was he was looking at Janino and all these guys, you know, so top 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 players. And at the time, I was looking at the De Boers and the Ferguson's, and, and so you know total trust in these guys. And and then sometimes you know you, you when you you may be inherited uh, some players, or you've you've um, brought some that are not quite the right fit then and that's when you realise that. The recruitment thing is is absolutely vital in football.
2: Yeah, last question for me, bring it back to the current day then. How do you think uh Steven Gerrard's doing with Angels? Obviously this season uh hasn't been as, as successful as we'd ever want it to be, but um how do you think he's going and are there any players that, that we've got just now that you'd have loved a shot of managing um in the current squad?
1: Yeah, listen, I think um, you know, obviously anybody that's come to Rangers over the last few years is playing catch up and in terms of um, you know Celtic's financial power and and um them them winning the league for so many years and you know Rangers been out of the league for so many years. And and Stephen I think has it's it's thrown the gravitas. I think the gravitas that goes with being the Rangers manager it's is something that you need, and Stevie has shown that. I think he'll. They will be, and knowing the the pride of him and Big McAllister, these these guys will be absolutely hurting badly. That, that of the the slide after beating Celtic again in a in an old firm derby, uh, similar to what happened last year of you know, losing out and all those points. You know, I. You, you would think, you know, Stevie Gerrard, he's he's done everything, European Cups, won them, and uh, played for England so many times that he would come up and um, you know I'm Stevie Gerrard, but he's he's been excellent in the press. He's he's been humble, and uh, you know you can tell the, the power and the gravitas. I said the gravitas of the man, and he'll know um, better than anybody what his team are capable of, what they're not capable of and what he needs to try and, and make sure that these these leagues don't end as early as this. Um, it's not finished yet, of course. We don't know the decisions. Um, they don't end as early and that they go right to the wire and I would love them to do something like that and, and experience what I experienced at Rangers Football Club.
0: Alex, um, What about, the,
2: what about so, the current players then? What about the current players? Is there anyone from maybe the current season that you think would slow into 2002 season or 2004 squad that you'd love to have had a
0: shot at managing? Um,
1: he's,
0: he's wanting you to say Tav, Alex, because he loves him.
1: <laughs> Governor. He loves them. No, I do. He's, he's, he's a very set-minded uh, player. You know, you know name, Morris Ross. Tav would probably have done... Done um, well in, in uh, my Hibbs team in that at the back, you know, with the, playing one of the wing back roles. So he's he's very accomplished and a, as an attacking full back, a modern day full back, no doubt about it. And yeah, he's, he's a very decent player. You know, he's he, we, we had um, you know Rickson, ahead, he's Demuth, and Newman ahead of their times. You know, these these Swashbuckling full backs, and Tavernier's is one of those as well. Um what do you get into the, what do you have got into my team in that day, those particular years? Uh I'd say no. Told you. Um. I'd say no. But but it may have been good a good rubber dub dub. Uh, yeah.
0: the uh <laughs> Alex, you know the, the, the best thing about this is we've spoken to you for an hour and a half and we thank you for the time that you've you've given us today. We could have gone another Three times this and, I've, and, and <laughs> In and three days And in terms of your status in Scottish football That's without even touching your playing career That's without even touching your post-Rangers career Or your pre-Rangers managerial career I, I do have one cheeky question From a Rangers fan point of view uh, I've got to ask So I apologise But 1990 uh, title decider 1991 title decider at Ibrox uh, Aberdeen <laughs> yous were flying, why did Alex Smith change the tactics that day? He's went with a weird system i have never seen his play before.
1: Well, we, God, what were we doing? We were going 4-4-2 all the time, I think. Aye, he changed um, it that day to 4-3-3 for some reason. Aye, I know. Um, I don't know, but I, I think we, Alex, actually, to, to Alex's credit, he discussed it with, with the players, the senior players as well. with first and foremost, and then he, he discussed it with the, the squad and reasoned why he was changing it. And, it. and you know, the reasons came through pretty loud and clear. And I think I don't think anybody, you know, except the guys who were left out. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I, I don't know. Was it Van der Ark Did he leave on no He did. I put
0: him uh, in the bench.
1: Yeah, and. Um, you know Van Der Aert would probably be the only one who would, who would have thought well I'm not happy with it but you know mostly with the way he described the tactics and, and and see if you look at the game again we did have a couple of chances and normally the players that missed them would have buried them Hans Gielhaus and Peter van der Ven had gone through I think Hans were ahead there which would be fantastic in the air Hans Gilhouse. And then the Van Der Ven had gone through, and was a sitter, I um, one on right, and I think
0: the goalie
1: saved it or something. But and, and then, of course, you know, Big Hately jumping on my shoulders—that was a foul like, all day, <laughs> day long, all day long. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I I spoke to him about that, and he said that in the opening minute, he told Gary Stevens to whip a ball right on top of the keeper so he could put him into the back of the net. You're not allowed that That's these right. days, are you? Good. Not allowed that
1: done it, um, you kinda of do that now but you go you, you breathe on the goalie now and it's a free That's kick. Right. But when um, they did you know, you kinda of get away with it and big Mike Watt was, was a great young goalkeeper, but um you know Theo would have gave us gave us a boost if he'd come back that day, but Theo felt he wasn't quite ready, which was, was a shame. And uh you know Rangers had to beat them in the last day at Ibrox with the with that big feathering crowd behind them. As much much the same as I experienced the Easter Road that day.
0: Well, listen, thank you so much for doing this. As I say, it's been a pleasure. One of the one of the things for folks who are listening to this and maybe don't subscribe to our site yet, we have got a a sixty hour um look back. At, uh, it's not all in one go. It's it's in one-hourly episodes, where we looked at every single game, every single month of Alex's time at Rangers, and one of the things we wanted to do was to to get you the credit that I think that, for some reason in Scotland, we're very keen to give to foreign managers, and we don't seem to give to our own. Both you and Walter I think um, don't get the level of respect that you deserve for your achievements at Rangers. So, uh, in any way, this helps to uh, get you the credit that that your manager no, I appreciate that.
1: Um, I, I, I do feel that you know we, we don't get the credit we deserve. Um, and he, even in England, you know, when won the Carling Cup and that, and um, finishing ninth in the Premier League, I felt I, I would have had more job offers, you know, done there. But um, you know, the, sometimes you you can kind of reason and figure out why.
0: Well, the biggest uh, the biggest tribute a Rangers fan can ever pay to somebody is to to give you the term Rangers legend, and I think you more than qualify for that. So, my thanks to Alex for for doing that. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, boys.
1: That was brilliant. Enjoyed enjoyed the chat. Thank you.
0: If you enjoyed today's show, why not check out our Patreon site? For as little as the price of a matchday programme a month, you'll get access to loads of Jair's content, including daily updates, tactical analysis, previews and post-match shows, plus an amazing archive covering all things Rangers, including stepping back in time to discuss particular games, managerial reviews, interviews with Ibrox legends, watch-alongs and the odd bit of stuff and nonsense too please head over to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand and join thousands of bears on the Best Value podcast on the world's most successful club. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com.
2: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home
1: the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy.